the horizontal reconciliation is made possible is because of the vertical reconciliation. Because of the cross, it should really radically change how we see people who are different from us. What is the problem? The problem is the wall of hostility. Now, the word hostility is simply the word for hate. It's the word for hate. In the older translation, they use the word enmity, but it's a word that means hate. Now, what has caused what has caused the hate between Jew and Gentile? Uh, and the reason is, according to Paul, ironically, it's the law. So they were supposed to live according to the law, and then they were supposed to be able to show the nations what holiness looked like. It was supposed to be a blessing. They were blessed to be a blessing. Here, we're told the reality is, though, it actually became the basis of the hostility. The Jews came to despise the unclean Gentiles uh, because they didn't have the law. They didn't have what, you know, what they got from God. So the Jews looked down upon the Gentiles. It seems like when God gives, it, God gives us good gifts, like whether it's talents or strengths, you know, there's something in the human heart, something that is within us that takes those good gifts, those strengths, elevates it at a, as an absolute value, and then, then we use that as an occasion to look down at everybody else who doesn't have what we have, and it causes us to look down on them, right? Which in turn causes you to despise them. The good gift becomes a basis for hostility. So this is particularly true, not just between individuals, but between the groups of people, races, cultures, classes of people. The way we get, a, when we, the way we get an identity, the way we define ourselves, the way we get our value and self-worth is by taking what's good about us, what's distinct about us, lifting it up, then taking a look at everyone else around us and judging everyone else, especially those who don't have it, and then saying, oh, you know, we're not like them. That's who we are. The vision that I think God is giving to us is a whole new humanity, that God's purpose inside the church is to create one new human being. When you become a child of God, that is, the most, that is the most profound thing of all, Paul is saying. And so it creates, as a child of God, your faith creates even deeper, more extensive connections. You now feel greater, stronger connection to the people who also believe and have been through the same redemptive experience, have been convicted of sin and now receive the grace of God. Therefore, the church becomes actually a new humanity, a new nation, a new people. I am a Christian first, and I'm an Asian second. I am a Christian first, and I'm American second. Paul says because of that, God can finally do something that has never been done before. That is, get over these horrible divisions in the human race that are keeping us from living in peace. So God comes to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to save the world, but I want to make sure that salvation goes to all the families and the nations of the earth, Genesis chapter 12. Moses, by the way, 
a Jewish man, marries a black woman in Numbers chapter 12. God not only approves of it, but he punishes and disciplines the people who don't like it. I bet you didn't know that. And so he actually says to Peter in, in Acts chapter 10, he uses, of course, he uses this Greek word, which means that God does not do, uh, he's not someone who discriminates, that God is, you know, he is a respecter of people. In other words, it, he says, I don't want you to do it either. So, you know, think about that. Do you know what that means? This is what he says. God does not show favoritism or discriminate on the basis of race or class, but accepts from every nation those who fear him and do what is right. In other words, it's about grace and not about race. So the Bible says racism is a terrible thing, but what the secular world does is it goes after the mind and says we're going to rebuke people and we're going to educate people until the racism is gone. It hasn't worked. It has not worked, and it won't work because the problem is in the heart. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. You know, guilting people or shaming people or even like, you know, like it never brings about true inner transformation. The Bible tells you what that problem is. You have to go back to Genesis to see it. What is the problem? The book of Genesis says that all human beings were created to serve God, but we have turned uh, away from him in sin. We want to be our own proudly independent people. We want to be our own gods. And Romans 1, chapter 1 says, whether you say it with your mind, you believe, it, you believe in God or not, that all human beings know deep down that they should be serving God. We might repress it, but you know it. Because we know we should be serving God and we're not, there is a deepened security in every one of us Every one of us knows there's something wrong with us. Everyone knows that there's something off with us in our hearts. It's fundamental. And therefore, instead of turning to God, we all are trying to do something to bolster that sense of identity, bolster that sense of being right and good. And we do it in many, many ways. One of the main ways is we take what's strong, we lift it up, and we make it an ultimate value, and then we advocate it, and we look down at everybody who's different, and we exclude them, because we've been hostile to each other. God should be hostile to us, because we have destroyed each other. God should destroy us. Instead, the destruction came down on Jesus. What the gospel does is, the gospel, it goes after the heart. Christ died to create something the world had never seen before. People who hated each other coming together, doing life with one another, sharing meals together and worshiping together, which, by the way, is a picture of heaven and glory. There was no paradigm for that at that moment. That's the vision. The vision is a new humanity. And Jesus was not ashamed to call us brothers. He was not ashamed to identify with an inferior race, if you will. He didn't, he didn't see us as inferior, which is crazy. He went to the cross. He was not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus, at the cost of his life, said, I am not ashamed to call you as my siblings, right? When the cross comes into the middle of your life, there will be nobody around you that you'll be ashamed of e- either. I mean, racism is out there, right? And 
I actually understand that it's out there and it's, you're not going to change it by trying to shame people and things like that. But in the church, at least for the people, we should be different. We should see everybody, regardless of their nationality, color of skin or class, whatever, we should see them differently because of the cross of Christ. There's no way any one church can comprise the whole thing. And so, but every church, and I'm saying Bethel, has to say, how do we stretch ourselves to be a little bit more racially and culturally understanding and accepting and embracing uh, and loving and inclusive, right? And so how do we be more intentional about building relationships with others that are maybe different? And how do we see people in the light of the gospel? Why would we, why would we be willing to go all the way? I mean, our church is you know, we go on missions everywhere, right? I mean, like, you know, why would we be willing to go all the way to Japan, Africa, to South America, to Jordan to do missions and not think of loving them and embracing them and inviting them here, right? People that are different from us, here. So how can we be gung-ho and be zealous to preach the gospel and love them there but not love the people here that are different from us? when they also need the gospel, right? We cannot have this racial reconciliation unless we first come to the foot of the cross. Preaching the gospel and believing and living out the gospel brings us together. 